0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Hi, Cardinal fans. I'm Ozzie Smith. Corks in into right down the line. It may go. And you're listening to the Cardinals Insider Podcast. Go
2: crazy, folks.
1: Go crazy. Here's your host, Brent McMillan.
2: Welcome into the Cardinals Insider Podcast. I'm Brett McMillan. Glad that you could be with us today, and you're going to be rewarded for joining the conversation. Because when you get two people who are known by just a single name, Ozzie and Gibby, you know that you've got some star power working. This episode featuring a conversation between Ozzie Smith and Bob Gibson. They were kind enough to sit down and talk for us on opening day, and they got into a lot of really interesting topics including Bob Gibson's pitching philosophy, that famous 1968 season that he put together, and how he dealt with racism as an African-American player in the 1960s. Some amazing Cardinal history and some amazing baseball history here as part of this talk, and we're really glad that you could join us for it today. So here it is, Ozzy and Gibby on the Cardinals Insider Podcast. You know, Bob, we were,
1: we we touched on it a little bit here, but you came up in a time where um, it was it couldn't have been easy as an African American player. Talk to us a little bit about how and what times were like in the in the fifties when you when you broke into the big leagues.
0: Yeah, I I signed with the Cardinals uh, in July, probably thirty first of July, and. Uh, what year? 1957. 1957.
1: and uh, See, I was a little boy. I was only three years old, so I watched <laughs> you when I was a little boy. I was,
0: well, I was <laughs> expecting to say I wasn't even born yet. <laughs> Nobody else was. And the times back in 57 was, was, was it was different. It was, it was different. The, the living conditions, you know, if you happen to be an African-American player, you weren't allowed to stay with the rest of your teammates unless they were African American, African American, and uh, you so, so let me ask you: So when you went
1: into a town, the team stays in a hotel. You guys were not allowed to stay in the hotel.
0: What? Not in the same hotel. And you know, the, if they had a, if if you go to the ghetto and there was a hotel there, which most of the time there wasn't, uh, you had to stay in that hotel or they made provisions for you to stay in somebody's house. somebody's, price, Yeah, some family, which kind of put a little damper on the situation. But, uh, but you weren't allowed to stay with the team. But that wasn't just uh, in professional sports either. That happened to me when I was at Creighton. I, I, we went from Omaha to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And about halfway to Tulsa, the basketball coach came Now, this over. is when you were playing basketball. This is when I was playing basketball at Creighton. And uh, our coach came over about halfway to Tulsa, and he says, "Bob, I got to sit and talk with you here for a second." I said, "Yeah, what's up?" He says, "When you get, uh, when we get to Tulsa, you won't be able to stay with the rest of the team." I, what you talking about? <laughs> you know, sound like Willis? <laughs> yeah. What you talking about, Willis? I, uh, I said, "Well, why not?" Well, explain it to me. And uh, we we have a place for you to stay. We have a house for you to stay in. And uh, we had a—there was a guy that I grew up with, his name was Glenn Sullivan. And he was on Creighton's basketball team. And he he grew up in the housing projects with me. Believe it or not, the housing projects were segregated also. The the African-Americans stayed on one side. And on the other three sides were, were white families. But Glenn Sullivan was always over with us. And uh, we went to high school together. We went to college together. He was a little older. No, uh,
1: no, he was, uh, he, he was white? Was, was Glenn Sullivan white?
0: Yes, oh, yes. Oh, okay. Yes. And uh, he just said, hey, don't worry about it. I'll go stay with you. And so he went and stayed with me in this this house in Tulsa, Oklahoma, why the other guys stayed in the hotel. And that's the first time I'd ever experienced that. So when I got to the Cardinals, and not necessarily uh, the, uh, the Major League team, AAA, Omaha was AAA, when uh, we went to uh, uh, anywhere in the South, would not stay with the rest of the players. And uh, Sullivan was right there with right there with me. Yeah, and that was difficult. And the, the, the tough part about it, all of these things that are going through your head, the way you're being treated. I, I remember going down, and, and we stopped in Oklahoma City. This is going back to the college. Mm-hmm. We stopped in Oklahoma City. The players got off, the rest of the white players, I was the only black player, got off and went into the train station to eat. They brought dinner back to me on the, on bus. the bus, on the bus. And, or to train. So, us say, I lost a point.
1: No, no, it, it, it's as far as the um, what effect that had on you. Yes,
0: that's what a, I was, you know, these days I got to tie a string around my finger so I can remember, remember. And then I forget where I put the <laughs> string. Um, you had to do that and then perform on the field just like everybody else. Yeah. And it was, it was very well, difficult.
1: Let me ask you, did that, did that have anything to do with your competitiveness and how you, how you were driven?
0: I really don't think so. Okay. Uh, I, I think my upbringing in the housing project in itself, I mean, we had to fight almost every day. You had, you know, and if you thought that you couldn't win the fight, you had to hide mm-hmm. and try to keep out of the guy's ways. And there was all kind of bullies and what have you. And and I think I learned that there more so than in school. Uh, My oldest brother, he had uh, basketball teams and baseball teams and football teams. He would take us to all these small towns. And then whenever he thought we were not being treated fairly, being cheated or what have you, he'd go out in the middle of the field and just challenge people. And I, we always thought somebody was going to kill him, you know, because we were going to a city, a little town. There were two, three hundred people there watching us play. Was he a big guy? He was, uh, he was heavy. He was 5'10", and he weighed about 240. Okay. So he wasn't small. right? But he wasn't big enough to beat up ten people, right. you know, which he'd stand out there and just challenge him. You're going to cheat my kids out here. We're going to get in a truck and we're going to go home. And I think I learned that competitiveness uh, from him more than anything else.
1: Yeah. Skill-wise, from a pitching standpoint, where did all that come from? He taught me. He taught you. He taught me. When, when, when you say he taught you, what, did he, what are the particular things that he talked about? Well,
0: what he did, he was a coach to begin with, but he would uh, buy books, how-to, And he'd buy these books and make me sit down with it. And we'd go over and they'd have pictures of how to hold a ball and what to do. And the, the, you know, 90 degree arm and don't down and up and just all of this stuff. And he just watched me like a hawk. And I used to think he was unfair because he always wanted me to be better than everybody else. And uh, he would hold me to a little higher standards standards than he would the rest of the guys. And it it would be because he spent so much time with me. He would take me out on a field, and had and he would catch, and had me throw to him, and he would correct whatever I was doing wrong. You know, and then uh, he was he, I told you before he was like a father, and he was old enough, you know, where he uh, he, uh, he he did a pretty good job not only teaching me how to play sports but teaching me a little bit about life and. Yeah do's and don'ts yeah. and what have you.
1: You know I think all of us uh, that would have been fortunate enough to make it to the Hall of Fame had people in our lives that were they all, t- they all taught us the same or they gave us the same message about competing you know talking about having a person I had a coach by the name of Glenn Zell, who I felt rode me more than he rode everybody else and he did that uh, because he saw that something special in me, mm-hmm. and he never wanted me to, to walk away from it not having given my all. And I, I, felt, and when I went to instructional league, and this is where I met Glenn, I went to instructional league, and I can remember him come give me more Halls, come on Halls, stay on it. And I'm running my tongue out because I'm trying to make it to the big mm-hmm. leagues. You know, I'm working hard every day. I'm, I'm running it out. I'm diving. I'm, I'm all of this stuff, until one day, after instructional, League, he came to me and he said, Halls. I know you think I've been riding you and been on you um, a lot. He said, but I've always felt that you had something special. And I'm here to tell you today that you got an invite to Big League Camp. And um, that, that day was, was probably one of the, the greatest days of my life because it's what you, it's what you fight for, yeah. you know, and to get that chance and to have somebody like that to believe in you. And I think that all of us at some point in time have had that person In our life that believed in us.
0: Yeah I was I was lucky because I had two after my brother Josh he who brought me all the way up I got into high school and then after you get into high school you've got to pretty much pay attention to your coaches coaches and what have you there. I had a a coach a white coach his name was Neil Mosser and in fact in in, uh, my first year uh, on the varsity I was a sophomore we went to a state tournament, and, and he was, it was the first time in the state of Nebraska where five black guys started on the floor. You could hear a pin, pin drop. Dropped. yeah. You right. could hear a pin drop. <laughs> There's no clapping, no anything. And uh, within the first half, we had one minute left in the first half, every one of the guys except me had filed out of the ball game. And, and I never fouled out of the ball game. And within the first minute of the second half, I fouled out. Wow. So they got rid of us and we got beat thirty nine to forty. Wow. But Neil Mosser also got kicked out of the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know,
1: for good but reason. this
0: guy was uh, he was the same type of personality as Josh. He wasn't Josh's size, but he, he knew what was going on in the world mm-hmm. and, and uh, I mean, I thought the world of him.
1: Yeah. So um in, in in moving on, you know, when you when you came to the Cardinals you you, you were here in what year did you, did you come up? 59. 1959. What, what was it that, um, that brought you to uh, coming to St. Louis? And I guess being in the Midwest, it probably wasn't that much different from, from Omaha, the experience as far as people are concerned.
0: Well, yeah, the, the experience was a little different, I believe. Um, when I, when I came to, to St. Louis, uh, uh, racism was out there in your face. In and, and Omaha, even though it's, it's only like 450 miles from here, it was a little different. But did it exist? Absolutely. But it wasn't in your face. Mm-hmm. And they didn't come up to you and tell you you couldn't do this. you know. And they didn't have signs telling you you couldn't go here and you couldn't go there. It was a little bit different. And here you knew where your place was, uh-huh. so-called. Yeah. And When did that change? It changed in 1962. Um, it changed in Florida for me and for us, for the ball, Cardinal ballplayers, and Bill White had a lot to do with that. They had all these signs about, don't drink out of this fountain. Had two, always had two fountains, had two bathrooms, had all of that. And I always went into the wrong one. I just don't know why. There's
1: only Bob. There's only Bob Wood. <laughs> I would know. drink out of this that is, other, other faucet and see if it was what going to kill
0: anybody. It. Didn't kill anybody.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, but but 62 is about when it changed. 61, 62, and it, it started being a, a little bit more subdued. You know, people didn't really get in your face. That's not to say that it didn't happen. It
1: didn't exist.
0: It existed, but people started to get a little better. And I, I thought that, and I still think it, that sports has a lot to do with that. It, it has a lot to do with teaching people how to live together, how to respect each other, how to respect ability. You know, I somebody couldn't play. I don't like them either. <laughs> you know, get them out of here. <laughs> Didn't
1: matter whether black or white. You can't yeah. play.
0: Get him out of here. Yeah. But uh, I, I think it did, uh, sports does an awful lot uh, to. Change people's minds about who this person is, and if you don't get to be around a person, you're not going to ever find out what they're all about. But sports puts you around these people day in and day out. It's not really so bad. So uh, yeah, you haven't pissed me off. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you you
1: had this reputation of being this guy that didn't. Um, you didn't deal with the with the opposition. You didn't talk to the opposition. Now let me ask you: Did if Bill White was on the other team, would mm. you not talk to him?
0: No, I would talk to him okay. b- because we were on the team together. But I'm saying that it, it, if we had never been on the same team, right, when, did you get traded? You got traded. Oh, he got traded. He got traded, and to so the Cardinals. It, from uh, where? From the Cardinals. He came from. Bill White came from San Francisco. To the Cardinals for Sad Sam Jones pitcher. Okay, and that was in in 1958 or nine. And uh, if Bill had still been on San Francisco's team, I probably wouldn't wouldn't talk to to him even
1: with the relationship.
0: Well, no, not after relationship that changed everything. There's there's one guy I never played with that I used to joke around with all the time, and I have. I don't know why it was Willie Stargell. I just liked him, yeah. and uh, I would kind of kid him. And I wouldn't spend time going, right. but I'd right. walk by him and say something to him, maybe nudge him. We're going to get you today, or something like that. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, I, I did like him, and he was one the one person that was on the team that wasn't mine that I I kind of talked to and what have you.
1: Um, did he ever take you deep? <laughs> yeah. And that's a simple question. Did he ever take you deep? Well, now
0: what difference does that make?
1: Okay, all right. Well, forget the question. Scratch that. Bob. A couple Bob. of times. Yeah, a couple yeah. of times.
0: Yeah. He hit a ball off of me once. time. <laughs> he hit a ball off of me. It went over my shoulder, over my left shoulder. I tried to catch it and I couldn't catch it. It was hit so hard and I turned around and looked and it was going up into the stands <laughs> in the center field. I go, Ooh, good thing I didn't. That would have turned me right over.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've heard a couple a uh, couple stories about him hitting balls that, oh, yeah. that, that got yeah. out in a hurry.
0: Left hander, you know, I had I had more trouble with left handers than I did right hander, which was, was normal.
1: Normal, yeah.
0: And and this is really funny though, it's it's how hard this game is, because as a as a pitcher they Teach you to keep the ball down, keep the ball down. Well, if you keep the ball down, the left-handers they'll kill you. Mm -hmm. Most Mm -hmm. left-handers. So now you got to learn to pitch. You Mm got to keep the ball up, or you got to keep it in, or you keep it away. You don't keep it away too often. Yeah. Most of those guys that hit the ball a long way are big guys. Yeah. And get that arm out there. Mm -hmm.
1: And and drop it. Now you talk about pitching. When when did when did it come to you that you you realized that you were you were in the upper echelon as far as pitching was concerned.
0: I, I, I was pitching 59, 60, 61. 61, Johnny King took over as the manager of the ball club. And he called me in his office, he says, Bob, you're going to start every five days regardless. So don't worry about getting a start, you're going to start. I want you to learn how to pitch. And up until that point, this I was. This was
1: 62.
0: 62. 61, I'm sorry, 61. 61. And I, up until that point, I was kind of a mop up pitcher here. I would go down to the minor leagues for two weeks and win two ball games or three ball games and come back up and still be in the bullpen. And uh, when he took over, he made me a starter. And that was in 61. And I won 13 games that year. And then it went up every year yeah. after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: yeah. Who was the toughest, the toughest uh, hitter you ever faced?
0: Well, that's tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, the toughest hitter, not the best hitter. The toughest. The toughest. There were, there were two guys that hit me pretty well. One was uh, Billy Williams, and the other one was Ron Fairley. Dodgers. Dodgers. Ron Fairley would never hit a home run off you. But he just kept hitting singles over the shortstop's head and the second baseman's head, no matter what. (laughs) i got to tell you a story about Ron Fairley. Uh, He uh, got a hit, as he always does, or two. And I got a base hit, and I was on first base, and he's playing first base for the Dodgers. So he kind of snuggles up to me and says, hey, Bob. He says, man, you really have good stuff. I don't know how anybody ever hits you. And I didn't say anything to him. I just took my lead, what have you. Joe Torrey was catching. And the next time he came up, he looked at Joe and he says, hey, Joe, I'm not going to like this that bad, am I? <laughs> and Joe just started laughing. I uh, hit him right in the middle of the back. Back, right in the back. That was the last time he Oops. said anything. You know. <laughs>
1: Get your, hit, get your get hits you hit and you leave, leave me, me alone. alone. Yeah,
0: don't talk to me.
1: 67 68, let's talk about the uh, those two years. Um, what do you remember about 67 and 68?
0: Well, 67 was a tough year for me. Uh, I was going really well, and I ended up getting breaking an ankle. Uh, B- Roberto Clemente hit a line drive down, and I couldn't get down fast enough to catch it. Hit me in the ankle and broke it. I had one... Uh, 12 games. I had won 12 games before the All-Star break, and this was right in, right before the All-Star break. And uh, of course, I rehabbed and the whole thing, and we came back at the end of the season uh, in September, and I pitched and won that game and made me win 13. And that was a tough year for me, but I, 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 I did a really good job of rehabbing, and while I was in a cast, I threw every day. In the cast, uh, we had Johnny Lewis, who was one of the...
1: the— cardinal hitting instructors. Yeah,
0: well, he was in the front office at the time, and he used to come out every day and catch me. Mm-hmm. I'd throw off the mound. I just wanted to keep my arm uh, in shape, and I knew I wouldn't be able to really do everything the way I, I, I did on the mound when, you know, when I was healthy, but I just wanted to keep my arm in shape. And so that year, uh, we we were against— the the Red Sox, and I won three games in in a series. We won this World Series. Now, 68 was entirely different. 68 from the beginning to the end, I don't think I ever pitched any better. I mean, everything was just right on. I had a a zone that I, I really believe, and I never tried it, but I believe that I could have closed my eyes and thrown the ball where I wanted to or get within a distance of it. And uh, I just didn't make a lot of bad pitches that year. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was a tough year, though, as far as the Cardinals were concerned, because we didn't score a lot of runs. But we won a <laughs> championship again, and we didn't win the World Series. Right. We probably should have, but we didn't win it. Mm. And, uh, Detroit won it. I don't think the best team won.
1: OK. <laughs> now, that team, the Detroit team at that time had uh, Denny McClain.
0: McLane,
1: Mickey Lolich, Mickey Lolich. Um, who were the other pitchers on that staff?
0: I can't remember the day before yesterday.
1: Yeah.
0: I, I can't remember who they those were. Those
1: were the two standouts. Yeah. Was that the year that Denny McLean won thirty? He won thirty, 30 games. games.
0: Yeah, and he wasn't. As far as we're concerned, he wasn't their best pitcher. Lolich was. Lolich. Uh huh. Yeah, but sometimes the best pitcher uh, didn't didn't win, and I'll tell you why, because. They would always match the best pitcher you know, against the other team's, teams, best, teams best pitcher. Mm-hmm. And it was just a flip of the coin who was going to win that ball game. And I, I, in 68, I must have pitched against Koufax five times. You know, mm-hmm. it seems like I did. It seems like I pitched against him every other week. And we couldn't hit him. They weren't going to get but one run off of me. He beat me twice in one week, one or nothing. And uh, wow. it was just tough. So your, your best pitcher doesn't necessarily win all the games yeah. because he's got a tough road to handle.
1: But he wins the, the ones that you need.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's the guy when you, you, you've lost four games in a row and you need somebody to stop, stop that skid. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, that's why I've always felt that um, if you have two guys on your team that can give you a better than 50% chance of winning, Two guys, you can all you, you can always stop a, a bad streak.
0: Yes, yeah, and you can you're gonna have a good if you got two guys that, that have outstanding years like that.
1: Yeah, you're gonna
0: be right in the hunt, mm-hmm. if, if not winning it. And then you're the really gonna be right there.
1: And then the other thing is being able to play defense, catch and throw. Yeah, you know when I when I look back at my uh, my career and everything, one of the things that and we're gonna close with this is that I wish I would have had the opportunity to play with some body that had your dominance. I, I wonder what what it would have been like to have been able to play. And, and I played with some, some guys that were, were good pitchers. But I mean a, a dominating pitcher who uh, every day that he went out there, you know, he had a better than 50 percent chance of winning. And then you incorporate that with with, with, with a guy who, who had some of my skills and how how that would have played off of each other how good that would have been and i i wish i would have had the opportunity to to play with somebody like you
0: well i feel the same way about you uh, of course i've told you that yeah um, it, it, we had a good shortstop in, in maxville uh, Maxie could catch the ball his range wasn't really as good as yours but he could catch the ball if the hit yeah. to him but uh the added attraction as far as i'm concerned with you is that you could hit. Maxie couldn't hit too much at all. And then, of course, he didn't care about it. He said, I, I got to the big leagues by catching the ball, and that's why way I'm going to stay here. And what he was right. Yeah. But you could every once in a while, you make a mistake and hit a home run and stuff like that. So. Well, you know what? <laughs> it was all about, you know,
1: I, I never came to this, or never played, wanting to be a one-dimensional player. Yeah. My, my idea was that, if I was going to play, I was going to be as well-rounded a player as I could be. That if I was a good defensive player, I wanted to try and match that on the other side. And you know, I came to the game notably as a defensive player, but I worked extremely hard at being a better offensive player because, you know, uh, you can help your team both defensively and offensively, and that was that was always my goal. I didn't want to leave this game with people just saying that I was a one-dimensional player. All he could do was catch the ball and, yeah. uh, and stuff. So I put forth the effort, the work, the blood, the sweat, and the tears. And I tell young kids today that you're only going to get out of something what you put in it. Mm-hmm. And if you don't put anything in it, you shouldn't expect anything in return. And, and that's really life. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, as I sit here today, uh, I, I look back and I say that, you know, I didn't leave anything to chance. And if that meant that, you know, it put me in, a, in, a, in, a, in, in the place that I am, then that's just the way the chips, the, the, that's the way the cards fell. And um, I know that sitting here, I, every day that I went out there, I did the very best that I could. I didn't win every day. Our team didn't win every day. But I know that I gave everything I had that particular day.
0: See, we were, we were a lot in that respect. I, I didn't want to be just a good pitcher. I wanted to be a good ball player. Yes. I used to go out and take extra batting practice. I used to steal bases. And they I,
1: I, and somebody hit your bat a couple times accidentally.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well it, it hanging.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and
0: uh, I would I would take infill. Sometimes I would play third base during batting practice. And I'd get in on the grass and guys would hit balls by me and I used to snag them. You know, unless it was hit too hard, then I'd jump out of the way. <laughs> but but I did all of those things, too, because I wanted to be a good ball player. I didn't just want to be a good pitcher. Right. I, I, That's the way I felt about the game.
1: Well, good. I, well, I think you know how I feel about you. And um, I thank you so much for doing this. Anytime. My friend. You know that. Bob Gibson.
2: Ozzie also went one-on-one with Willie McGee for us. That and other past episodes are available at cardinals.com slash podcast, or you can check them out on iTunes as well. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out the Cardinals Insider TV show, too. We profile current and former Cardinals, plus we just give you a behind-the-scenes look at day-to-day life here at Busch Stadium. Find local listings at cardinals.com slash insider Or if you'd rather watch On Demand, and hey, why not, you can head on over to cardinals.com slash video or the MLB at bat app as well. If you go to the app, simply just search Cardinals Insider in the video section. That's it for this episode of the podcast. For Ozzie Smith and Bob Gibson, I'm Brett McMillan. We'll talk to you next week on the Cardinals Insider Podcast.